so good all the time. And we don't even realize how much God's done for us. There's no way we could comprehend the full extent of the abundant life that, that he offers us, uh, the full extent of his mercy and his love and his grace where we've been forgiven. It's an amazing thing. And you know, this time of year, it's, it's, it's hit or miss in this area of the country, whether uh, you can have uh, things going on outside or not, but it's a beautiful day and we've been blessed with that. But uh, you can't tell when Easter is by the weather around here because it could be anything. Um, and, and yet I was, I was realizing before I, I really became aware of it, it was something that was, I was like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, and I should, I did know it was Easter, but this reinforced it. There was something that, that every year happens. It's very unique. It happens just for a very short time, just a couple of weeks. And, and I'll give you a hint. All right, here's my hint. You know, this is, this is so dangerous because this is recorded and people are going to be like, where is that church? <laughs> but but I, I haven't given you the hint yet. This is only part of it. Buck, 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 buck. <laughs> now, who knows what that is? Thank you very much. I don't feel as dumb with these on. Yeah, the Cadbury Bunny auditions. And, and so everybody's trying to get in on the scene and, and prove that they're the Cadbury bunny. Now this happens, do you ever see these Cadbury commercials any other time of the year? Absolutely not. So you gotta wait around to be reminded that this is about Easter when you're dealing with that. But this morning, I was, I was, I was just sitting and, and spending some time with the Lord and and where I can sit in our kitchen, I can look out and I can see the sunrise. And you know, even though the Cadbury Bunny commercials come on just for a very short time, very, very uh, uniquely one time a year, there is a sunrise that we have the opportunity to see every morning that reminds us not of Easter, but of the resurrection, the victorious resurrection of our Lord. And I'm telling you, it's so important that we are every day reminded of this victory. And, and many times we, we, yeah, I know, this is, this is Easter. It's about Jesus rising from the dead. But then we battle throughout the weeks and months in the year because we're not sure. You know, how does God feel towards us? What, what, what does God want to do for me? You know, I've not been very good. I've done some things wrong. We all know that. Innately, we know that, man, we make choices that are not good. Not once a month. For me, it's daily. There are choices I make that are not the best. And yet sometimes I, I fall into the enemy's trap of thinking, wow, what do I need to do to make God willing to forgive me, willing to, to help me in what's going on? And 
But I want you to know God's always there. There is no place we can go that God's not there. And God cares for every human being. No matter what. We've been learning about how God values all human beings. No matter their age, their race, their gender. Nothing, nothing, nothing can change God's value of a human being. And he loves us, and he wants to bring us from the prison of sin, of addictions, of sorrow, into the fullness of the abundant life that Jesus came to die for. But sometimes, sometimes, I believe each one of us comes to that place where we feel like, you know what, God, I'm not worthy. I don't deserve this. And the truth is we don't deserve it. But here's, here's what the book of Romans, chapter 5, verse 6 through 8 says. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. The Bible tells us all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible tells us in Romans that there's none righteous, not one. It goes on to say, now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person. Though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But isn't even that a stretch? Then it goes on to say, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And sometimes we, we get this erroneous idea that, you know, I, I've given my life to the Lord and now I've got to do this and this and that and that so that, that God accepts me, so that God will, will, will save me and, and, and redeem these situations. And I want you to know that God is always wanting, if we're willing to turn to him and trust him, God is willing to get involved, but we have to turn to him. We have to recognize who he is and that he's the one that saves us, that we can't save ourselves, and nobody else can save us, but only Christ, because the Bible says there's only one name under heaven by which men must be saved, only one. It's not what we hear in our society these days. We hear that there are a lot of different ways, but Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And sometimes people think, well, that's pretty exclusive. No, it's pretty inclusive. Whoever will, but they have to do it his way because the reality is he is our creator. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. And today we're going to look at, at a portion that is not often looked at. It's usually glossed over, and even when we look at it, we don't understand it because we like things neat and clean and tidy. You know, we've, we've, we've grown up and, and been exposed to TV series where in a half an hour or an hour, they, they save the world. You know, it's going to go up in smoke. It's, it's going to be blown up. Everything's a catastrophe. And then in just 60 minutes, they save the world. Because we like neat packages. We like things not to be messy. And yet, when The Passion of the Christ, the movie came out, 
there, there were some people that were absolutely appalled at the depiction of what Jesus went through when he was going to the cross. And it was, it was incredibly graphic, but it wasn't nearly as graphic as it actually was. Because if you remember that, you remember, you could see him. You were aware of who he was, and we're going to find out that that is not exactly right, because there's a purpose in this. But in Luke chapter 23, we're going to start in verse 32. This is about Christ, criminals, and crosses. And so right here, it says there were also two others. Jesus had already gone to the cross, already carried the cross through the city, and, and was just berated by everybody but it says there were also two other criminals led with him to be put to death. And they had, when they had come to the place called Calvary, they were crucified. They crucified him and the criminals, one on the right hand and one on the left hand. Now, this depiction is, and we see it all the time, we see these three crosses. We have a criminal on this side, a criminal on this side, and who do we have in the middle? Right. And the cross was the Romans' way to punish the worst criminals. That's what they used it for. It wasn't just, you know, something going on. But the worst criminals, they would punish on crosses. But the other thing history tell us, tells us and scholars tell us, that when there were groupings of crosses, the one in the middle was known to be the worst offender. Who was in the middle? Jesus, was he the worst offender? No. And yet everybody around at this, this moment in time, you have all sorts of people gathered. They had put the crosses on a main thoroughfare where people were coming and going, and people would go by and, and they would mock Jesus because above Jesus there was a, a sign, and we'll see this. In verse 32, it says... And Jesus said, Father, forgive them. No, no, go back. 34. He said, forgive them for they don't know what they do. So they're mocking. This, this is a circus going on, but it's the worst of circuses. And yet he says from the cross, Father, forgive them. Why? They don't know what they're doing. Yeah, they did. They knew what they were doing. They were crucifying Jesus. But they didn't know who they were crucifying. And you know, I, I, I believe this is something for every one of us that are Christians. Is Jesus our example? Are we supposed to be followers of him? Are we supposed to do the works that Jesus did? Okay, so now he's in the most intense pain physically, emotionally, mentally. And yet he, at that point, looks down on all these people and he says, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. This is something that, as Christians, we need to embrace. When people do things to us that we don't deserve, that we don't like, that deeply hurt us, I will tell you that we will never get to the place of pain that Jesus was in in this moment. And yet he was able, as a man filled with the Holy Spirit, to be able to ask for forgiveness because the love of God was filling his heart for these people that didn't understand. 
And we too as Christians need to walk in that kind of forgiveness where we freely forgive everyone no matter what they've done because they don't understand what they're doing. One day we all give an answer to the Lord for what we've done. And they don't because they don't want to answer to the Lord for it, but we all will. Amen? Father, forgive them for they don't know what they, they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots, and the people stood looking on, and even rulers with them sneered, saying, if he is the Christ, it, saying, he saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. So they're mocking him and saying, if he's the Christ, save yourself. This is exactly what the enemy was doing when Jesus was in the wilderness. If you're the son of God, if you're the Christ, do this and do this. It was a trap to try and get Jesus to use all the power that he had available to do something that would prove who he was. But he didn't because he knew who he was. And soon they would all know who, who he was. Then in verse 36 and 38, it says the soldiers mocked him. Coming and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself again. If you are, if you are, if you are. And an inscription also was written over him in letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. So we have this whole situation that is just horrific. And people are getting in on it. It's almost like if you've ever seen Shark Week, where sharks feed and, and that blood in the water causes more sharks to come. And it becomes a frenzied environment this was a very frenzied environment and yet god was present and god was doing something most people did not recognize and i want you to know god wants to do things in our lives we don't always recognize them until they're done but god is a god that every good and perfect gift comes from he wants to do what Jesus came to give his life for, which is bring abundant life to you and me. So in this moment, this is all going on, and the two criminals, now listen, were they just sitting on chairs having a latte? No, I know, I know that's a ridiculous question, but I just want us to be reminded, this, this that we're going to read is conversations between people that are hanging by nails in their wrists, and in their feet, that to be able to survive, you know, we usually see them stretched out, but they weren't. They were crunched up so that the diaphragm would not be able to inflate and they couldn't breathe. And so to be able to breathe, they would push up against the nail in their feet and hold themselves up to take a breath and slump back down. Keep that in mind as we read these next words. In verse 39, it says, And one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, 
Save yourself and us. This is the third time this is said. Again, this is, this is a, a taunt from not only this criminal, but from the enemy himself. And so he blasphemes him. But in Matthew, in the book of Matthew, chapter 27, verse 44, it tells us that both criminals began mocking him. And this one continues. But then in verse 40, it says, But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Do, not, do you not even fear God? Seeing you are under the same sentence or condemnation, and we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward for our deeds. But this man, he's done nothing wrong. So the two thieves are hanging there in great pain, and the one is just lashing out at Jesus. Something happens with the second thief who was doing the same thing previously, but now he looks at the other man on the cross and he says, don't you fear God? Now we've been learning about the fear of the Lord and it's, it's not a terror. It is about an honor that you have of God, an awe that you have of God, a respect, realizing that God is God. An esteem a value of God that is so high. And this second thief says, don't you fear God? Now, understand that in Proverbs 9, verse 10, the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Obviously, this thief fears God because he now rebukes the other thief. And he recognizes what the other thief won't admit. We're here because we deserve to be here. We've done something wrong. And, and what does he then say about Jesus who's hanging in the middle that he doesn't know? He's an innocent man. I want you to know when the fear of God begins to work in our lives and it's the beginning of wisdom, the first thing we understand is who God is. They, they were a, he, this man was able to begin to recognize who Jesus was because of fear. But listen, when, when we talk about recognizing Jesus, in the book of Isaiah, the Bible tells us that Jesus wasn't really visibly able to be identified. Let me get that. Isaiah 52, verse 14 says this. But many were amazed and shocked. This is about the Messiah. Scripture is pointing to the future at this time. When they saw him, his face was so disfigured, he seemed hardly human. And from his physical appearance, one would scarcely know he was a man. Why, how did this happen? We know that he was beaten with whips that were not just leather. They had steel in them and bone in them. Every time they hit him, they would tear chunks of skin from him. He was beaten by the guards. They had put a hood over his head. 
and mocked him, beating him, pummeling him, saying, if you're God, prophesy who hit, hit you. And when he came to this place, he was hardly recognizable. Amazingly, he was still conscious. And, and he's, he's saying from the cross, these men are looking at him saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. And one still persists in saying, if you're the Christ, save yourself and us. The second one has this revelation because he fears God. And that fear begins to bring wisdom. This is, this is an innocent man. This is an innocent man. And then it goes on to say, verse 43. 42, and he said to Jesus, now again, he doesn't know who he's talking to, but he recognizes him because his heart and, and spirit are being opened up to what, what God is revealing. He says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. How did he know? How did he know this was the Lord? Because of the wisdom that was being revealed to him. Because he feared God. And in that moment, he's already said, I'm getting what I deserve. He's not. He's innocent. I'm guilty. The first thief never mentions being guilty. He just says, save yourself and save me. And now the second thief says, Lord, Remember me when you come in to your kingdom. When, when he called out to the Lord, the Bible tells us that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. In this moment, we see him receiving, recognizing, and receiving Christ for who he is. And Jesus makes this statement, and he says, Assuredly, I say to you, today, today, you will be with me in paradise. This, this thief that had done what he had done and deserved to be crucified was now given a promise from the Messiah, the Savior, that he recognized as Lord, called Lord in that moment. And Jesus said, you're going to be with me. Today, when this life is over, your life is going to begin with me in my kingdom. In my kingdom. What an amazing thing. It just blows me away because, you know what? We have so many things that people have to do to come into the kingdom of God. I have a question for you. Did, did this thief ever go to church? Did he ever read a Bible? Did he ever go to a Bible study? Did he ever pray a prayer? Those are all 
important things to us as Christians. But we can go to heaven without those. What we have to do is we have to recognize, just like he did, he had a rolling recognition, a progressive recognition, this is an innocent man. This is the Lord. This is the king that's going into his kingdom. And when he did that, Jesus said, you're going to be with me. You're going to be with me. So these three crosses that Jesus was on, that the first and second criminal were on, represent the crosses that we are dealing with. The first cross of the criminal that, that blasphemed Jesus was the cross of rejection. He did not recognize and he even rejected Jesus. The second criminal, his cross was the cross of repentance. He owned his sin. He said, I deserve this, but Lord, remember me. And Jesus said, today you're going to be with me in paradise, in my kingdom. He repented. He turned to Christ. He recognized who Jesus was. He repented of his sin and he received Christ as his Lord. And so that cross is the cross of repentance. And then Jesus, Jesus hung on the cross of redemption for every one of us. There's no one that has done too much for too long for Jesus to say, hmm, not you. Not you. Because Jesus took on himself every sin, every bit of shame, was tested and tempted in every way, and yet did not sin and still went to the cross to pay the price for all of our sins. And at the end of what he said, he said, it's finished. It's completed. I have done my part. Sin has been defeated. The grave has been defeated. And he came up that Sunday, over 2,000 years ago, as the sun came up, Jesus arose, glorious, victorious, fully alive, and as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so today, I'm just going to ask you in this moment to just close your eyes. And I'm asking you this because I don't want you to be concerned or considering anyone around you because it, it doesn't concern anyone around you. If every human being rejected Jesus and the price he paid on the cross, he still came to pay the price for you. And today, my question to you is, which cross, which cross are, are you hanging on? Are you still hanging on to that cross of rejection? 
Yeah, you know what? If you're the Christ, save yourself and us. Or are you willing to be at the cross of redemption where you say, God, I don't deserve this, but Jesus, I'm looking to you. I recognize you as the Son of God who takes away the sin of the world, an innocent man dying for the sins of all. And today, Lord, remember me so that I can be with you in your kingdom. Jesus didn't come for the healthy people. He came for the sick people, the dying people, of which we all are. And today, either here or online, if you have never recognized like that second thief did, began to recognize, oh my gosh, he's innocent. Oh my gosh, he's the Lord. Oh my gosh, he's going into his kingdom as the king. Then today, recognize him. Receive him. Turn from what you've been doing and turn to him and turn your life over to him. And with that, I'm going to ask, we're going to pray today so that you can do that. But if you have not done that and want to do that, we're all going to pray together. We're not going to call you out or, or isolate you or embarrass you, but we're going to pray this prayer together. But if that's you, I want you to courageously, by faith, just say, that's me. Today, I recognize and want Jesus to remember me and be Lord of my life. Let's pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your son, Jesus, who came into this world, lived a sinless life, died on the cross to pay the price for my sin. Today, Lord Jesus, I'm done running. I'm done ignoring. I recognize you as the Lord, the Messiah, the Savior. Today, I repent of my sin. I receive you as my Lord. From this day forward, I am yours. You are mine. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. When we turn to Christ and we give our life to the Lord and we repent of our sin and we receive him as our Lord, it's not over. It's just begun. It's about us coming to that place in a living relationship of recognizing we need to be guided. We need to be guarded. We need to be governed. And God always knows the best way. And it's learning about who he is by going and finding out what the Bible says, by becoming a part of a body of believers that can help you and encourage you when, when you struggle or you can encourage them when they struggle because we all need God. But you know what? We need each other too. I'm going to invite the praise and worship team to come back for one more song.